Lucas Tigers and Bronze is brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. HGA is revolutionizing the industry by implementing software that will allow them to scan, analyze, and grade cards without subjectivity. This allows for consistent and unbiased grading. They have an easy submission process and best-in-class customer service. Their pricing model is simple. Pay by the day, not by the value of the card. And when they say 10 business days, they mean 10 business days. I haven't, I haven't looked at anything. I haven't looked at any questions. I haven't looked at anything. So we're going to go live and I have no, I know nothing. So hello world. <laughs> I'm only, I'm only going to do three questions today. Ooh. We got three really good questions. And I think that they're going to take up uh, most of the episode because honestly, Cage, today's an interesting day, you know, nine 11, it's a day of remembrance. Um, it's also a day to unite America. And I know um, one of the questions here, Cage, I'm really excited to get into it. It's from Dennis Patrick Zender. One of our favorites. Was, one of our favorites. He was asking where you were when this happened. So, uh, Cage, you could look You could look at the IG. It was a question there. It wasn't, I didn't bring it up. I didn't bring it up. So, so we'll get into some better questions because we don't need to do that. But it's funny, guys. You know, if I were able to, if I were able to use movies for this entire, uh, for this entire episode, um, I'll use Back to the Future for this one. If I can go back in time to when I was in high school, or finishing high school, um, one of my friend's father was in the sanitation department. He's like, hey, you know, why don't you come in the sanitation department with me? I'll get you in. It's not the easiest thing to get into. You kind of have to know somebody to get you in the whole deal at the time. And, um, you know, a Staten Island sanitation has connotations to it, I guess. So I wasn't part of my world at the time. But in any event, I look back, I probably should have done it because, you know, you get to work 20 years and then you retire. So yesterday was 20 years to the day um, for me working as a lawyer, you know, a, a practicing lawyer, um, you know, out of law school, you know, full-time job. Um, and if you do the math on that, 20 years to the day yesterday, means that my first day of work in downtown Manhattan in the, uh, in the footprints, <laughs> in the shadows of, uh, of the World Trade Center, um, my second day of work was 9-11. And I took the ferry up to work at like 8.30, um, left my brother on a subway and, and walked up Broadway past Wall Street, past the Stock Exchange and Trinity Church and uh, uh, World Trade Center on your left, the building that I worked in on the right side of Broadway, and as I made the right, uh, I saw the first plane kind of fly right overhead. I'm like, oh, you know, from down on the ground, the funny part is, well, none of it's funny, but the, uh, you know, the interesting part of it is perspective-wise, it's, um, you can't really tell the size of things from down there. You know, you watch it on TV and, you know, you can see the magnitude and the size of it from, from on the ground. Um, you know, you can't tell whether it's a prop plane or, you know, it was just, you know, somebody, you just, you can't tell. And I remember, um, you know, going into the building to, you know, to proceed to work. I was on the 43rd floor of a building um, heading up there and telling people, you know, a plane had just hit a building. Now, this was, it's amazing to say this, but it wasn't, a, you know, a one-time thing in New York. I mean, a lot of tall buildings in the city. And um, I forget the guy's name. I should look this up because I tell this story. Um, there was a pitcher for the Yankees who owned a plane. Um, and he flew his own plane into a building in the, in New York. And I just assumed that it was something like that. Um, that it was some, you know, somebody else who, you know, had a small plane, 
uh, but I get up to the conference room up there. Cor- Corey, Corey Little. Corey yeah, Little. Corey Little. Yeah, yeah. So you could see that, and he, you know, it was a smaller plane crashed into the building. Um, and I get up there, I start telling people, I'm like, yeah, let's go look. We look out the, you know, the comms room. Really, I go around and tell people, this, look, this happened, this happened, this happened. And, you know, as we're now, I'm, you know, 500 feet up in the air and a much closer vantage point of what's going on. And out of the other direction now comes the second plane. And you realize, okay, <laughs> you have to kind of get out of there, you know. I mean, I'm now in one of the taller buildings downtown. And uh, it's like, let's, let's, let's move along. And, um, yeah, I mean... I didn't leave right away. Uh, some of the stuff, I mean, you can see pictures and stuff like that. I don't want to really go through it, but some of the stuff that you saw from that vantage point of, you know, people above the fire line um, who had no way of getting out um, and were, you know, just unable to do anything but jump. I mean, I, <laughs> this is not a, a fun sports episode, but, um, you know, it's definitely an interesting time. It's definitely an interesting thing. Um, and um, it was, it was, it was an interesting day to say the least. I, um, you know, I was in the middle of it. I was covered with stuff and, you know, wound up, you know, walking, you know, over one of the bridges in the East river and, and walking home to Queens took me several hours. Um, a lot of nice people on the way offering water, you know, clean the stuff off, clean off your eyes and, and, and that kind of stuff. I don't like to tell the story because what did I lose that day? You know, uh, a suit, um, a nice pair of shoes that I walked for 30 miles in or whatever it was. And, uh, but a lot of people lost a lot more. So it's just one of those things where, you know, despite the fact that it's obviously a story like this, it's, um, um, you know, it, it was a lot worse for a lot of other people. And, you know, that's, you know, that's why I don't really talk about it that much, but that's where I was that day. Dennis Patrick Zender, the only little exclamation point that I'll put on it is this, and we don't get the politics. It's, it's, a, it's a fun show and it's a, you know, it's supposed to be a happy show and we'll get into something happier. I'm sure. I hope. Um, but you know, we have a tagline on it. Like never forget, you know, never forget, never forget what happened. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a slippery slope forgetting. And, you know, I would, I would ask everybody, um, to kind of think about where we are in the world now, um, you know, what's going on in Afghanistan and, and what's going on here and what's going on now with freedom. Um, what happened on 9-11 20 years ago was about freedom. It was about people attacking our freedoms and people attacking our way of life and people attacking America uh, because of the freedom that we have. And, um, you know, when we hear never forget, it's, it's, it's great to put a little tagline out there. It's great to put a little, you know, picture up there. And, and that, that's very important. But, um, you know, never forgetting is more than just two words. It's 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 making sure that we don't lose the freedoms that people died that day for, um, that people have died for in the twenty years since. So, so first off, thank you for sharing because I, I kind of put you on the spot with that one, and I know Cage doesn't love to share that story because, guys, if you if, if you've lived through that day, uh, and Cage has told me that story maybe once before, it, it, it's a pretty intense day. Um, Second thing is, it is a it is a friendly show, a funny show, a show where we entertain people, make them laugh, make them kind of escape their real lives. But sometimes, Cage, you gotta. It's also a show of people, right? And people are thinking about that stuff today, and I think they will, they'll appreciate you sharing. All right, you know what else I'll share with you guys? So I have a guilty pleasure. See these little bad boys right here? See this? This is this is like my favorite thing in the world. And when it comes. Pumpkin? When it comes to this time of the year, not candy corns per se, but yes, you're right, candy corn pumpkins. It's this particular thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know what chemical combination God 
put into this because it can't be made by humans. It is it is too good to be made by humans. This whatever was put in here, and a little pumpkin with a little green top over here. It's got, I don't know if it's honey or what. It, it, it's the right consistency. This this may be if someone posed the question to me today, DPC, about not where I was 20 years ago. Like if I was on a deserted island and I could only bring one thing with me, this might actually make it. This Swedish fish. Oh, look at this. Drake's. Eat those with dry roasted peanuts and it will change your life. Never done that, Drake. I do have peanuts. I will try that. I try not to eat peanuts too often because it just, you know, if you say it too often, Drake, you're eating peanuts. Drake, you're eating peanuts. Drake, you're eating. It just sounds bad. Um, so, but in any event, here's the, here's the pumpkin. And it is one of, I mean, I can, the problem is if I get this, I have to eat the whole bag. I have to eat the whole bag. They're sharing. <laughs> All makes sense now, Goldberg. Blame the kids. All right, let's go. Let's get into the show, Cage. Are you ready? No, I appreciate you sharing. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. So Drake's PC asks, and um, I'll read the question. I'll contextualize it. Like, wh why do you think? Why do you think team collectors are more prevalent than player collectors in football and basketball? For example, some Peyton Manning collectors only collect his Colts cards. Tom Brady collectors only won his New England Patriots cards. We're in basketball, LeBron, no one cares if he's in a Heat jersey, a Cavs jersey, or a Lakers jersey. Like, it, it doesn't seem to matter. So, I think it really depends on the career trajectory of that player. I think that if LeBron would have stayed with Cleveland, that you would have Cleveland collectors that are also LeBron or LeBron guys that, that buy other Cleveland stuff. I've spoken to a lot of people who are Curry guys, who are Golden State guys because of it. And he's been his entire career there, and hopefully he stays there for those collectors and those people. Um, you know, and in football, for whatever reason, you do see, especially quarterbacks, you know, once a franchise has their franchise quarterback, usually that team does what they need to do to keep that player, you know, lock them up early. Like Mahomes is going to be on the Chiefs forever. You know, it's an odd scenario to see that guy leave at the end of his career. You know, Brady is a Patriots guy. Sure, he's on the Bucks now and he'll end his, his career there. Sure. It's sort of like Marino. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, Marino stayed with, with the Dolphins. It's sort of like Montana, the 49ers guy. But he left at the end of his career and they, yeah, he had a couple of seasons with the Chiefs. Same as Peyton Manning. But Manning that was actually one of the examples that, that was brought up. Like, no one wants really Montana Chiefs, Chiefs cards. Yeah. So, 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 but. LeBron, LeBron has now won with three teams. You know, he's had good stints of his career with three teams. Usually in football, it's that guy's going somewhere after he's already done what he's going to do in the league. Peyton's a, a good example of someone who had success with another team. And, and I would even go as far as Peyton has Bronco collectors because, you know, Peyton won it for the Broncos, you know? So um, I think it really is just, Basketball has a lot more movement, at least recently, right? I, I would I would tell you that Jordan has Bulls collectors. There's not many Washington right. Wizards, yeah. Bulls, you know, not many Washington Wizards, Jordan guys. Um, and maybe this changes, you know, maybe football, maybe it changes in football. I just think that most people, when you talk about football collectors, it's quarterback collectors. And when we talk about quarterbacks, they don't move teams that much. So I think that's, that's probably the, the answer. So this is, uh, this is a good question from Fetty Wap. Uh, when I look at the prices of older players' rookie cards like Chris Bosch, they have very little value. And then when I look at, at a guy like Rui, they sell for more than Bosch currently. Logically, I don't just don't understand. Isn't Rui ceiling basically Chris Bosch? Why do people think his cards could be worth more? 
Should we be looking at base cards differently? So let's put it into your world, right? And then you can you can help. You can chime in on this one, right? Stocks. Stocks go from being, you know, growth stocks to they don't won't, they no longer have that growth. They no longer have that PE that's crazy with a multiple, and they become value stocks. You know, um, a, a company like Netflix in the very beginning had a huge PE, a huge price to earnings. You know, and it was it was the, the stock was based on the potential it had. At some point in time, Netflix will reach a status quo. They won't have that hundred multiple to earnings because they will have created the company. The company will be more static. It will be what it is, right? Um, you know, Disney was growth at one was value growth at one time. Disney was more, you know, and it became a, a media company. It was pretty static what it is. You know, Tesla will eventually reach the amount of cars that it can build. You name it, right? So, but, so potential, think, right? It's, yeah, it's, so, it's, it's potential. But if you think about it that way. You know, Rui has a lot more game ahead of him where something could happen. People are buying him now with a, a larger multiple because there's the potential for him to turn into something great. People see the Asian market potentially buying into him. People see him, you know, he's young and maybe he turns into something else. Sekou Demboya is so young. People have the same sort of, a, you know, a take on him. And now with a, a change of scenery, it might actually be helpful as well. Whereas Bosch, you know what you're getting with Bosch because he's done playing. You know, there's very little downside to his cars now. I mean, I'm sure he can go out and murder someone tomorrow, and that probably won't help his value. But besides that, his playing days are over. You know, you know what you got out of him, and, he, and he's done. There's no more potential in his cards other than just potential static growth with the rising tide, right? He, he is as great as he was. He will never be greater. He will never be worse. Um, that's why you have this. And, and guys, really, let's, let's fold in some Gary V wisdom here. You know, before a lot of people listening and watching got into cards, Gary was talking about this and saying that to justify the prices of some of these guys, they have to turn into top 50, top 75 players all time. And he would name people like Chris Bosh and like Ray Allen. Those were kind of like the names that he would throw out there and say these guys were were all-timers. These guys were great players. Stefan Marbury, you know, like these guys were great players in a different generation. Um, and nobody cares about their cards now because they're not playing currently. You can't root for them. And they're not going to do anything else that is an impetus for growth in their cards. Um, so that's why you see what you see. You may listen to this and say, well, I think then that Bosch's cards are undervalued. And that could be the case, right? Because... There's nothing saying that Rui's cards are going to go down or up. You know, he, he may stay static and just all cards go up. And then people will look back at Bosch. It's, it's sort of like what happened when modern cards went up, right? People were like, all right, come on. Well, if this is worth this, let's go back 10, 15 years and look at Elijah's cards. Let's go back and look at Charles Barkley's cards. And, and if, if you're paying this much for Michael Porter Jr., well, you know, he can only hope to hold Charles Barkley's jockstrap one day, and yet Barkley's cards are, uh, you know, significantly less money. So in any event, you understand what I'm saying, right? So it, it doesn't necessarily mean Bosch's cards are, are overpriced or, or static. They may go up too. Let's go with this one. This, this is good. This is Baseball Cage, and this is kind of what you've talked about. I'm going to look up how many home runs Otani has in a second. Chasing Cardboard asks, why has baseball gone down except for Otani and Wander Franco? Because they're all hype. They were all hype. Um, 
and Otani for a while was nothing. Remember, he was injured. And Juan DeFranco, you know, I gave him as a play when he was in the doldrums. He came up, he hit a home run, and then he died. And all of a sudden now he had like an on-base streak where every game he's on base and, and he's hitting the lights out. Wander Franco, he would have to basically win six MVPs to justify the pricing that you know that that's going to happen for him in this offseason and the next season, and he may do it. Um, but there is a lot of potential cooked into him. He's like one of these, you know, a great example, guys. If you want to take a look at it, is Bryce Harper. Just a great example. Um, Bryce Harper came up with more hype than anybody else that I've seen ever, and he came into the league young. It's sort of like Griffey, right? And and and. Gr- that's the only one that I'll compare him to, right? It's a Griffey type of hype, like like top pick, you know, a cover of all these magazines, you know, playing, you know, under he 18. He had the persona too. Yeah, and he had, you know, the hair, the whole nine yards, right? And and he's won an MVP already. And he said, like, what, he had 50 home runs that year, and, you know, he's played, you know, meaningful baseball, and he signed huge contracts, and, you know, he plays really well, and he's got a huge fan base. But even he, his cards are not – they're not worth that much now because – he, uh, it would be impossible to live up to the hype that would justify the prices of his cards coming out of the gate. Um, and I think you're going to see the same thing with Otani and with Wander Franco. And I think if you're asking me about where to deploy money now, it would not be in those guys. It would be in someone like Acuna because no one's looking at him because he's hurt. You know, it would be somebody like that um, where, where, you know, since no one's looking at him, he still has the potential. He's still a guy who can go 40-40 every single year he plays and is healthy um, and still going to have a great career. You know, Otani, what they're showing you is, you know, um, as amazing as his first half was, um, it, it, you can't do that over a full season, let alone over multiple seasons. And he would have to do that. He'd have to be, you know, a two-way, you know, runaway MVP every year, basically, to justify some of the prices that are coming out on him. And, um, you know, it's like everything else, right? I think the Otani thing is FOMO. I've been in rooms and trade events, trade nights at Bleecker, um, where Otani was all anyone was looking for. I would say, you know, you know, I don't have any Otani. You know, when Ian was doing his selling at the East Coast National, he had one Otani that I traded for and I gave him. It was, a, you know, Otani, I think red jersey, PSA 10, tops, just rookie, 250, $300 card, nothing crazy. And... That was the card that everyone asked him for. I think he's kept. I think he kept it though. I don't know if he sold it. Um, but that's that's even that's the point, right? That's the card everybody's looking for. It's the card everybody's hanging on to. And when everyone wants it, and the people who have it want to hang on to it, that's when you see the prices kind of go nuts. Well, how many home runs does he have? Because you know, forty-four. Ooh, he actually turned it on a little bit. Then he has forty-four home runs. He had thirty-three. At the break, I said he wouldn't hit more than 15, mm-hmm. um, which means uh, uh, he would be under 49. He'd have no more than 48. Um, and what has he got, like 25 games left in the season? I'm still comfortable with that pick. It'll be, it'll be close. It'll come down to the last week. One home run every five games. All right, two more questions, guys. It's going to be a shorter episode, like I said. Um, Reckless asks, what's up, Reckless? By the way, Reckless is a great follow, Reckless Cards. Because they're like a whole family brigade. There's more than one follow. You got to follow the yeah. whole reckless team. I get I get swimming events. I get cross country events. Uh, you know, I got Stephen running cross country. I don't know how he does it. You know, we got Courtney, the you know the the, the matriarch. We got po- just posts all over the place, and uh, you know, interesting ways to to uh, to crack slabs with your teeth mm-hmm. while you're doing uh, what do you call it? A clean 
jerk something or other. I'm not a weightlifter, obviously. So something with a jerk in there. You have the body. You'd be a good powerlifter, Cage. I can lift this place. With no, more no. and more SGC slabs coming into the market, how would you compare an SGC gold to a BGS or MPSA cards? I would I would compare SGC golds favorably to a BGS black label. Wow. No no baloney on that, right? Because they're rare. I own <laughs> I own one SGC card, one SGC card, and it is an SGC pretty, ten gold. It's a pretty cool card. Uh, it's it's a Brady rookie, not yeah. like one of the top Brady. Rookies, it would be a cool card to make into an NFT, don't you think? It has like that kind of like uh, yeah, it's metal. What what, what what is it called? It's metal. It's a it's a FLIR metal rookie of this. Um, and yeah, so I bought that because I did value um, SGC gold, uh, the ten gold, because I think it's there's only one, there's only one in that. Um, and you know that's probably because a lot a lot of people are grading with SGC, but in, you know the flip side is also I think that they take that level really seriously. And it is you kind of got it. For, you kind of got it for a steal too, right? It was like one of those like offhand market put auction. Yeah, it was houses. one of one of the one of the non. You know, I mean, listen, I paid more than PSA ten for it, so I don't know if I call it a steal, but but a pop one. You know, you've seen especially on these top guys. You know, you've seen their cards go for a lot of money when they're you know. Um, you know, you've seen SGC tens of like Michael Jordan sell for significantly more than PSA ten. You know, was selling for at the time. Yeah, uh, sure. Same type of same type of thought process that I had there. You know, um, I would I would value it definitely higher than a PSA ten. Uh, reckless, be, just because. Look, you you know what you know what I'll, I'll tell you guys for this, and this is not just for this question; it's for everything, right? Um, I never even look at their pop counts. Well, you know, it's a good it's a good thing, right? I wouldn't look at their pop counts unless it was an SGC 10 gold and see whether or not it's a one-on-one, right? Because really what it comes down to is the story, right? You know, we're all telling narratives with our cards, right? We're all telling narratives with our stuff, right? You know, who owned this card before us, if anyone, you know, how many are there? You know, when we're doing our eBay descriptions, right? You know, this is a pop one. It's pop two with only one higher. It's a pop two with none higher. You know, you're telling a story of that card. You're talking about the scarcity of the card. Um, and I think when you have that SGC 10 gold or a BGS black label or BGS 10 pristine, um, you know, it's, it's, it it's also matters what card too. like, uh, a black label Zion prison base where there's 25 black labels less cool than like, uh, a Giannis prisms silver black label where there's only one. Yeah. Even that though, I would put a significant premium on a Zion black label prism than really? I would over, over PSA 10. Definitely. No, that's, that's such a stupid card. I mean, how many of the 17,000 PSA 10s are black labels? Who knows? And you will never know until people take them out of that PSA 10 and put it in a black label. But That's you, not but, a card I want black labeled, I think. Or, or, no, or well, SGC Gold. I wouldn't pay significantly more for it, but I would pay a premium over a PSA 10, definitely, because you get to tell the story. There's only 25 of these, and if you want to own Zion's rookie card, here's the one you want to own. Only 25 people have it. And you're right. I mean, I think if PSA, if everybody sent in their PSAs, there's probably some that would go to BGS uh, 10 route. Some would, get, some would black label. Not all. But yeah, not I mean. Not all, no. Of course. Listen, I'm not saying I paid double what a PSA 10 sold for, but I definitely would pay a premium for it. Cage, help a brother out out here. Stanton. So when going through some old baseball cards, what should people be looking for? 80s, 90s. Look for Griffey. <laughs> um. So here's the sad part of that question, right? 
the vast majority of what everybody this is has. a happy episode you've already said that you can't go you can't back i know that. but but i also have to be honest with people right because this is a question i get a lot from people my age or slightly younger than me they're like i collect in the 80s and 90s my you know my mom's basement has my entire collection in it you know i found these in my garage what what should i look for what's gonna be worth money and unfortunately 99 percent of what was made then is worthless worthless just absolutely worthless like you, you, you should, you probably should just throw most of it out. That said, um, there are a few cards that could be worth something. You're right, Griffey. You know, if you have an '89 upper deck Griffey, go ahead and pull that out. You got any of the '89 Griffeys? Pull them out. Every year has key players. '88 kind of crappy. Um, you know, '87, '86 they have your your Bonds and your Canseco and your and your Maguire. Um, is this Ian? Is this your son upstairs? Ian, no, that's Ian undercover. That's Ian undercover. Um, Ian does not play what looks like a saxophone there. That's pretty nice there, Ian undercover. It's Tinder. It is lighted on fire. I mean, unless you happen to be one of the lucky ones that, that got a, a, a Tiffany set and kept it in good shape, or in the, in the early 90s you were buying the premium stuff like Finest um, and happen to have that still. Or Did you have a crush on a girl named Tiffany when you were growing up, Cage? No, you love that set. I couldn't afford Bring a Tiffany set when I was a kid. That's why I love it. Um, I couldn't afford it. Um, you know, it was rare, you know, and more importantly, as a kid, in addition to you couldn't afford it, it wasn't as cool then. You know, it didn't come in packs. It was only done as factory sets. So when you're a kid, you wanted to, you know, you wanted to save your allowance up. You wanted to go around the corner to the, you know, the corner store, the, you know, the cards and gifts and, and, and plunk down a nickel for a pack of tops cards and get, somebody good in it or put it towards completing your 792 card set you know um you know i would open up 85 tops cards looking for len sakata who was the last card i needed to complete my 85 top set from the baltimore orioles um you you your tiffany set came as a completed set a little gold star sticker over it and so there was less fun in, in buying that you know when you're when your aunt came over and, and gave you an 88 Tops complete factory set that they bought at Toys R Us in 1999, you weren't happy because you wanted to go out and make your own set, put it in a binder, collect them, collate the teams and, and open packs. You know, it wasn't cool when your mom said, well, you don't have to buy those packs this year because your aunt just got you the whole set. Aren't factory set cards typically not worth so much? Okay, that's a great question above the rim. So the idea of factory sets, so so <laughs> it's amazing to talk about this now. Um, factory sets that are made by Tops now, they have different variations of cards that are factory set cards. A great example of it is the Pete Alonzo card that has the socks showing versus the not sock showing and one's factory set. And yes, that's less desirable now. Back then, there was no demarcation. There was not a factory set variant as opposed to what you got in the packs. The card was the card. It was the same card that was put in packs as was put in factory sets. So there was no, like, okay, this was a factory set, so it's, it's worth less money. There wasn't, you know, wasn't that at all. Um, so, but it is now, and, and you're right. Now the factory set variants are worth less than the, uh, than the pack pulls. Do you know what this means? I, I didn't really understand what this meant. So, so it's funny that you bring this up. So Pedro de la Flor, right? So there were, there were packs, silver packs, base cards out of 15. I was at the national. I didn't get any of these packs. I don't know, you know, who gets them or where they go, or what the story is, but they have, um, base card packs 50 with like a fireworks kaboom type of background to them. Can they compete with kaboom? The answer in short is yes. Any of these limited cards can compete with a, a card like kaboom because they're the same thing. 
you know, they're a limited print run that if it gets enough energy, fire, and maybe let's call it influencers behind it. Yeah, I said it, Carporn. Um, anything can become popular. And it's funny you bring up this particular thing, Pedro, because some of the Kaboom sets were inserted in Nationals type of silver pack releases, VIP event release cards. That's what made Kaboom a little scary to me. Check the slabs on them. You'll notice that some of them came from like Panini Innovation when it first came out. You'll notice that that Kaboom is inserted in different sets over different years. And you'll notice some of like the soccer ones, they were inserted in not like your traditional hobby packs where you were looking for a rookie card and that's they they were inserted in these sort of like panini vip type of giveaway type of packs um and people should realize that when they go buy them it's not something that was you know one per case or one you know they were not case hits like like you see with stained glass now or color blast now some of those those kabooms were just put in inserts like this in these in these like panini silver pack type of things i'll look some up and give you know some more examples on it i just don't have it offhand Last question, Cage. This is a good one. And I wanted to wrap with this because I think it's relevant. So KPB Cards asks, due to a job change, I'm going to be going full-time into cards. What advice do you have? Do something else on the side. I'm sorry. You know, it's I would not recommend anybody to go into cards and just do cards as a job. It's not something I would tell you to do. Um you know, keep looking for something else on the side. And, and the reason for that is, you know, over, over the last 450 episodes, a year and change doing this with my, my, my partner here, um, we've seen the market ebb and flow. We've seen things go up and down. We've had guests on who are great at what they do. A great example, KK, right? KK cards, great niche, great, you know, great guy, really does great stuff, great company, hired a lot of people. Remember we had him on, he was growing, he was growing, he was growing. And then a subtle shift in the business, a subtle, a, a subtle shift in, in the market. And all of a sudden, this flying business where it was, you know, PSA, PSA, PSA was all of a sudden, okay, I have to shift. And they're good. They're good at what they do. And they shifted and they got some SGC grading and they, you know, they, they, they added a CGC, I think. Um, and, you know, they, they pivoted and they did a very good job for their customers and you name it. But that subtle shift. You know, it, it impacts your bottom line. It impacts what's going on. It impacts, you know, your ability to take in money. So doing cards full time, a lot of things outside of your control that are going to impact your bottom line. Sure, you can control a lot of it, but, you know, you happen to get in now and for whatever reason, football starts and, and uh, you know, there are a lot of injuries in, in football and basketball doesn't heat up the way it is and, and the market overall maybe takes a little bit of a dip. All of a sudden, you happen to be investing now, trying to make money, and all of a sudden, you're just writing it down and through no fault of your own. The investments might have been sound, but the whole market is going down. Um, I would say like anything else, diversify. And part of it, diversification, is maybe you know, having something else on the side that's not tied to the hobby. Uh, one of the things Andrew and I, obviously, if you listen to yesterday's episodes, are, are, are talking about are those NFTs, which is you know something else you could potentially do as well that is not going to be tied to sports slash you know, the hobby, it's another way, you know, sort of like, you know, cards, another way where you can control the investments, you can watch what you're doing, you can research it and do something there, um, you know, to kind of diversify what you're doing as far as, you know, you know, seeking that alpha. Um, and yeah, are you, are you, what about yeah. some creative options, Cage? Like, I'll give you one. So they, no one's done this to spin up a website and review all the different tools and platforms out there for sports cards. Create like a blog 
Yeah. Well, right. I mean, listen, that's the, it, that's the advice, right? So an Andrew hits the nose right on the head, like he always does, right? It's you'll be successful if you bank on yourself and you just show up every single day and continue to put out something that's valuable, right? Whether that's a blog, whether it's some other form of content, whether it's you charting your process in doing this full time. You know, maybe you maybe you're gonna, you know, maybe you're gonna buy some buy some on eBay, some on Comsy, some on Starstock, you name it, and then you do a video of, hey guys, this is my journey. This is what I'm doing. Here's my vlog, you know, here's what I'm doing and I'm I'm putting this out there. Here's the what I bought in each one, here's the pain points of each one, here's this. And yeah, you could turn that into a blog, a web page, you could turn that into, you know, kind of like a, a review of all of them. You now you're the trip advisor of of hobby platforms and that's exactly um, where i was going with that so i mean it's, it's what about it's really a, what about a supply store an online supply store yeah i mean it, you could do that uh would be it would be interesting right it's we often talk about the people who make money in the gold rush are the ones selling the axes and the pans for the gold rather than the ones trying to mine the gold themselves um so there's definitely a, an avenue in that it's not as much fun you can't say, "Hey, I'm out there, you know, making my money when Zion goes five x." You it's know, fun, it's fun to have cash flow and to reinvest it into. Sure, cards. sure. I mean, the cardboard gold guy doesn't seem to be hurting for cash, even though <laughs> he doesn't like cards. Though <laughs> he doesn't like cards, you know. So, you know, you have that. You have that on there. No, I mean, honestly, what would I say to you? I would say to you, congratulations, because it sounds like you are taking the leap to do something that you love, and not everybody takes that leap. Um, a lot of us won't let go of one branch and lesson until we have another branch to grab onto. And, you know, it, it sounds like you're maybe doing this without a net and that's great. But to the extent that you can, while you're doing it, try to build yourself a net, you know, by having a lot of coals in the fire, right. You know, don't rely on one thing. And if you're just going to do cards, you know, split those cards up, right. You know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, you know, try to do some safer stuff, mix it in with a little bit of riskier stuff, and hopefully it all pays off. And if it doesn't, at least some of it is offsetting some of the stuff that doesn't pay off. Um, and I guess overarching on it, right? If you're really going to be doing this as a career, you, I'm going to lean on what I tell everybody. And it's, you're not doing this for a week. So don't expect to make this year's salary in the first week. But more importantly, if you're going to be here for a long time, do it the right way. You know, hopefully you've built up some relationships already, but continue to do that. Continue to do that in your dealings, because if you're going to make this a livelihood, you're going to be depending on people down the road, you know, making deals with you, um, making deals in your favor, you know, being able to capitalize there when, you know, when, when you need to, um, and being able to trade with everyone, sell to everyone, buy to everyone. And the window on that will close on you pretty quickly if you screw somebody over. So try not to do that because the hobby is – it's a huge hobby, but it's really tiny. So An announcement I'm really excited to make, guys. We'll wrap it there. Cage, stellar performance as always. He doesn't even look at these questions. He just – This is a small, small. This is a small pulls, episode. This was pulls easy. the answers from his head. Guys, a little announcement that I'm really excited about. Like the closer it gets, the more excited I get with it. So uh, a lot of you guys know this. Um, the app is called Whatnot, and we're in the final stages. So I usually don't do this, but – we're recording this Saturday night, tomorrow, Sunday. Uh, we're going to bring back our Sunday morning NFL show, talking about fantasy, daily fantasy, and giving sports picks. But we're going to do it on whatnot, and we're going to do it live. So we're going to do it 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time every single Sunday morning. And then 11 to 11.30, we're going to do kind of like a slab. So I'm just going to call it a slab fest. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I like it. So it's going to be 
I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be kind of like last year's show on steroids, right? Because it really is a show that's meant to be live, if you kind of think about it. Who wants to be listening to a recorded? Because it's so timely. Uh, so we're so excited for it. This week, we're not going to do it. We're going to do it starting week two. But tomorrow, Cage, if you're up for it, I think I already got what not downloaded. That's the point. Most people have what not downloaded. So we're going to have a much bigger audience, and we're going to be able to talk plays, daily fantasy, uh, all that stuff. Cage, tomorrow... What if we go Instagram live and do kind of like a preview of the show? What do you think? Sure. 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. It'll be fun. All right. We'll do a preview. Guys, here's what I love about this, right? I love you guys. Don't really like Andrew that much. But I like I'm you annoying guys. as fuck. <laughs> no, you're not. Shut up. But, but you know, one of the things I'm that we're missing, one of those things that was missing in the Sunday episodes, you know, <laughs> you could hear it, right? You were listening to us, and you heard Ian in the background saying, Chase Claypool is going to score three touchdowns today. You know, you heard that in the background, and you, you got it in the show, and you got us talking about it, but but you just heard us giving our thing, which is great. You're, you know, But I love Coffee with Cage. I love this episode because you're there. you know, yep. and, and the episode kind of flows with what you're saying. Look, Andrew's talking about people's comments. I'm reading them. The post I just made about a, a a cheeseburger inside of a donut. You know, people are commenting about it. You know, I mean, it's it, it's it's funny stuff, right? And and with whatnot, you're you'll be there. We'll be giving plays, and I imagine that you know Andrew is going to give plays this time. It's not just going to be me. He's going to do some research and he's going to give plays, and he's probably going to be writer than me. But I'm sure we're going to be not having the same pick on some games, which should make it fun. And I want to hear the chat. I want to see the chat talking about you know who they agree with. Why? What do you got? You got a different one. Maybe you'll change one of our minds. Who knows? And then layer on that, you know, we could call it Slab Fest. You know, it's almost kind of like opening up Cage's basement a bit because mm-hmm. we are going to be, I guess we're calling it selling slabs because you have to sell it through the Whatnot app, right? Uh, giving away slabs also. It's basically going to be a, a Sunday morning party. We apologize to our West Coast fans because it's basically 7 a.m., but the games start at 1. We want to you know, do it in a way where it's actionable, and if you want to get your fantasy lineups in and or um, you know, make some plays on the game, buy some, some star stock, um, you know, star stock A's of guys, right? Or, or, mm-hmm. or you know, um, we do want to do it early enough where you can actually you know, act on it. So you know, this, this time slot makes sense. But, yeah, you'll get in there, you get some bargains, you get to chat with us, and you'll know who I'm playing against because I'm going to tell you that the person I'm playing against is going to have a horrible game and their whole fantasy lineup is going to be terrible, even though the guy I'm playing against this week had two guys play on Thursday night, C.D. Lamb and Chris Godwin, who both had touchdowns in the first quarter because I suck at fantasy. (laughs) I haven't even started. None of my guys have even played. I know I'm going to lose. But I'm in it, and we're talking football. It's football, guys. We, we got a lot of things going on. We got a lot of eggs in, eggs in the basket, balls in the air right now. Yeah. Well, listen, you got. I'll keep my eggs in my basket. You keep your balls in the air, and I guess we'll be fine. We'll see where we land. The everyday. I love this guy's name, Sharkwitch. Sharkwitch. All right. I mean, you can go a lot of ways with that. Is do you, do you first picture shark on a sandwich, like eating a shark sandwich, or do you picture like a shark? With a black pointy hat flying around on a broom. I, I picture a shark eating you, making you Ooh. like a sandwich. What's your oh. favorite animal, Gage? My favorite animal. Yeah, or I'll ask it a different way. If I'm you were an have animal, to go with a, a, a liger. That's pretty much my favorite animal. Now, if anyone in the chat can tell me what movie that's from, 
Oh, from Spinal Tap, you're right. But Liger is pretty much my favorite animal. If anybody can tell me what that's from, then I'm going to give you a big two thumbs up. I want to see how, how quick. Anybody? Anybody in the chat tell you? No one knows what any of these references oh, they are. Know. They know they Liger. They really don't. They know the Liger. The Liger. Napoleon Dynamite. First guess. You got it, Pedro. Well done, Pedro. That's actually another and thing that's better on whatnot. Like the comments. Vote for Pedro. Vote for Pedro. <laughs> Pedro gets the Napoleon Dynamite. Woo, I couldn't have done that better. Dude, now all the comments are Napoleon, coming in. I you, you're the only one who doesn't know it. Everybody well, knows it. There's a lag. There's a lag. All right, Luca Nation. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Instagram Live, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. This episode of Luca's Tigers and Bronze was brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. Take it from someone who has personally submitted thousands of cards for grading. HGA slabs just hit different. They're top of the line and color coordinated to match the card itself. The aesthetics are unrivaled in the industry. When paired with the ease of submission and the transparency of the pricing model, HGA stands alone as the best choice for grading your cards. I believe that once you try them out, you will agree. Thanks for listening, Luca Nation. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now eh, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.